Hello, what's happening and welcome to the latest edition of the Anfield Talk podcast. I'm your host Paddy and today I'm just joined by Mike. Hiya mate, how are we? Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, again, considering Liverpool made a very, well on paper tough game, pretty pretty simple, a 2-0 victory over Burnley at the weekend. Uh, before we move on to obviously the main portion of the podcast, we'll start with the rumours that have now seemingly been quashed, uh, but came out, when was it? Uh, Monday night, Tuesday night? <laughs> about um, Kylian Mbappe again it's not going to happen let's, let's be perfectly honest from the start this is not going to happen but you know it was nice to vibe for a while just in, in the absolute <laughs> hope that it would listen listen like everyone dreams of the idea every Liverpool fan dreams of the idea but I think for the most part as much as the joke is that we're not we are quite realistic I, I think everyone knew like FSG for firstly don't have the cash to do that our money transfer-wise this summer seemingly has gone towards renewing contracts rather than signing players. Um, and just, I mean, listen, I'd love to see him in a Liverpool shirt. But, like, you know, it's, it, it's, it was always a bit of a bit of a joke more than anything, I think. Like, Mbappe 2020, Mbappe 2021. Um, yeah, it was just more of a more of a joke than anything. I, I'm not going to lie, though. When I did see it, I mean, I was in the group chat and I was like, <laughs> listen... Can it happen? Could it happen? How do we make it work? Like, what, Divock Origi, 20 mil? Maybe mm. you know what I mean. <laughs> no, it's never. It never felt real, did it? I mean, it. I think it did for a lot of people for a while, considering they they said it was an, an unnamed English club, and you run through the options that it could be, and the only option is really Liverpool, considering mm. you know City. Uh, I don't know what's happened with City now. Obviously, they're not going to sign Kane. I don't. Obviously, there, there's a few rumours flying about today about Ronaldo. Yeah. Ronaldo. No question mark. Yeah. What um, do you think about that? I mean, it would be funny, wouldn't it? Mm. Just to um, fuck a lot of people off in Manchester, it'd be great. A Manchester United idol that United fans have been saying for years would uh, retire at United or come back to United at least, be joined the rivals. I think that would make for a really good derby. Remember uh, when Adebayor celebrated in front mm. of the Arsenal fans? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Old Trafford, 90th minute winner. Stretford end. Oh, stop it. You dream. You well... Dream. It, it would probably mean, well, City going to be up there regardless. And it, it, if they do end up signing him, it, it remains to be seen how if he can still do it in the Premier League because obviously he's been away for, what, 12 years, I think, at this point. I think 2009, he, le- he left United. So, yeah, that, that would remain to be seen. Obviously, Chelsea have signed Lukaku. It's definitely not Spurs and it's 100% certainly not Arsenal. So, yeah. obviously, it, the, the only option was also obviously... We we don't know whether that was just a ploy used by PSG to to uh, bump the price up, but I think it I think it might have been if I'm honest. I think I think you see it all the time. Clubs sort of uh, an unnamed club from so and so area, or they sort of just name drop a big club in order to make make someone move. You know what I mean? Uh, I feel like that's what probably is it. They wanted Madrid to show their hand. I think they've seen the hand of 160 mil, which is less 160 million euros, which is less than what. Uh, PSG bought him for and I think PSG are caught in two minds because he's not going to sign a new contract so do you let him walk or do you hope that Madrid raise their, raise the bid I, I don't know I don't know whether they will or just keep him for a year and have like one of the best front threes the world has ever seen and still not win the Champions League still won't win the Champions League and still probably won't win at Anfield if they came to Anfield I still don't think they'd win at Anfield no I, I, I totally agree I think the atmosphere absolutely eats them up as proven uh, oh, a couple, I mean, couple of Messi, years ago, Messi couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Oh, Me- Messi mashed on Merseyside as the you know the iconic call, isn't it? Exactly. Um, obviously, a, a fella that is going to be definitely playing in the French league uh, next season is is James Shaqiri. Uh Finally, that whole saga uh, ended. You know what? I I thought Leon were actually really cheeky. Um, mm. Obviously, with the opening bid of four million quid, which yeah, you know, even so, for for a, for a fellow who hasn't. You know, played exactly a lot of football over the last couple of seasons. He's still he's worth more than four million, as proven by you know we end up getting nine and a half, which I actually don't think is too bad. I I think nine nine and a half is decent. I mean, considering his in, injury record and the amount of game time he's really had over the last couple of years, nine point five. You know, you take it. I think I think they were probably very aware that we need to sell. So you know, they lowballed us to start nine point five. I think. We haven't turned a profit on him, but in terms of what we got out of him for a couple of years, to sell him off for that, it's. I think it's. I think it's. You know, happy days, happy for him because he will now go play pro- regular football, and um, he's a great player. He's done very well for us. I think when he has played, 
just he's not someone who's good enough to be in our first team and he also deserves first team football so um you know good luck to him really because i think for most of his career you know he has been a squad player he's not been the main player the only time he's been the main player really is at stoke because at inter milan and by munich he was always a squad player he was a squad player for us as well so hopefully he can go and create himself a bit of a not necessarily a legacy, but like a good couple of seasons, good couple of memories as a first team, first name on the team sheet kind of player. You know what I mean? Yeah, obviously he had a couple, um, a really good period for Liverpool. Actually, when he after he just signed um, in eighteen nineteen, mm. scored against Fulham, scored against Cardiff. But you know, he was never really a Liverpool. Well, I say Liverpool, a Jurgen Klopp type player in terms of um, the pressing yep. uh, element of, of things. Um, so yeah, as, as I say, I, I really hope he does well because he seems like a nice enough fella, and as I say, he, he does deserve to uh, play first team football. At the, especially the age he's at, I think he's twenty nine. I think now, so yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah, only so. got four years left. Exactly, and like if you, you do think four to four to five years max of playing at the top level with that age, for the most part. Obviously, there are players that prove that wrong, but that's normally like. The general, just so you're right. Like, go play some first team football. Go play in the in the farmers league. <laughs> yeah, we um, probably have more than four years in there. To be fair. Yeah, he's probably got another ten. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but he's. Uh, as I say he comes across as a really nice guy. Um, you know, we needed to move him on. I know from what I've read and from what I've heard, we need to move one more player on in order to really sign someone. Um, I I don't know. Do you think we can move a on before the end of the window? Uh, I think no, because it's the case that no one wants him. You can't sell someone who 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 doesn't who isn't wanted by anyone. I think no, there's players on on the periphery of the squad like um, Minamino, for example. Even though I think he's look looked decent in pre-season, is he the type of player that's going to make an impact for Liverpool this season? Probably not. Origi's the same. Ox, judging by his performance against Norwich, pretty much the same. You know, there there are players who we could sell on paper. It's just the fact that. You know, we we usually highball teams, which I think is why we haven't sold Divock Origi. Um, I think we're highballing too much with him. I think if you if you were to bring his price down to the 10, 12 mil, some, yeah, West Ham would probably end up buying him or Palace would end up buying him. But asking for 20 mil for Origi when he scored one goal, got three assists last season, like, come on. Like, it's, it's a, Michael Edwards is an absolute genius, but like, that is, that's just a bit, you're asking for too much with that, I think. Yeah, I, th- I think they are taking taking the piss of it with, with that, like, yeah. especially as you say, he's got one goal and it was against Lincoln in the third round of the League Cup last season. So he's not exactly uh, vital, prolific. Absolutely striker. vital goal because I'm pretty sure it was a fifth goal. In a seven-two win. <laughs> in a yeah. seven-two win, yeah, absolutely crucial. And, yeah, you know what I mean. But even though we got knocked out the next it, round. Yeah, but I think part of it is that I think not to not to just force speculation because I actually think Rodrigo comes across as a genuinely really nice lad, but. Part of me thinks that he just doesn't want to leave because in the set in the way of like from what I've seen like he apparently he's somewhat lazy, mm-hmm. um and as a I don't know there's someone tells me that he might have some offers on the table and he's probably just said no. Well, just, that, that was the case, wasn't it, with Wolves? Um, yeah. I think a couple of seasons ago, we, and they paid like twenty two million for him, but Arigi said no, yep. which you know is <laughs> baffling to say the least because obviously with what went on went on with Wolves over the past six, seven, yeah. eight months, he would have got, got pretty much guaranteed first-team football. Obviously, we don't know if Wolves would have signed anyone, if had he else come in. But, we, yeah, he, he would have got a, a really good string of first-team football, but obviously it wasn't to be. Uh, a lad who, who definitely will have first-team football uh, for Liverpool and for next at least four or five years is Andy Robertson. Hey. Uh, yeah, yeah, another, you know, pretty integral part of the squad tied down. For, for you know a, a pretty lengthy period of time, which as you said before, a lot of our incomings in in quotation marks are just players staying, which you know is still a very decent window, especially with the caliber of players we are signing on. Yeah, I mean, I think I think one thing we definitely seen this summer is uh, a lot of reassurance within the squad of people, you know. Play- Crucial players dedicating their future to the club, which is great. And I think the next three that will probably be on the list will be Salah, Henderson, for me. Uh, sorry, Salah, Henderson, Mane, probably in that order. Um, now I'm in the I'm I'm in the in the train of thought where again I preface it by saying I absolutely adore Sadio Mane. I think he's brilliant. Out of the three currently, I think we will we will have to move one of them on very soon. Um, 
I think it will be Marne out of the three. So it wouldn't surprise me if Henderson and Salah sign new contracts and we don't see Marne sign one. And if we do see Marne sign one, instead of being a 2024-2025 deal, like a lot of these have been some 2026s, if it was only like an extension to 2023 and it was just an improved pay um, or something along those lines. Because I, I, I see Marne moving on before the other two, if I'm being honest. But um, yeah, so it just looks like his contracts this summer as well, which is... Which is good in a way because it's good to see reassurance, you know, like players are willingly dedicating themselves to the club long term. Um, I know a lot of people would have wanted to see some moves in the transfer window. I think it's something to keep in mind is that we pay in installments with a lot of our transfers. So as much as we may have a budget, we've got to keep in mind that we're still paying money for Thiago. We're still paying money for Jota. Um, this this window where that's probably between those two, that's probably 30 mil there, maybe just under. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there, there is that there. Um, obviously, I want to see us sign someone, but um, it looks like this this window has very much been dedicated to solidifying what we have now, um, rather than necessarily adding to it. Which you know, make of that what you will. I don't know what your thoughts are on all the contract extensions. Well, the the thing is, Liverpool. We are now a massive club. Uh, well, we have we always have been, but we haven't always acted like it. Uh, big players don't want to leave big clubs, uh, and and that's now the case with with, with Liverpool. Obviously, you'd rather do all this plus sign a few, uh, a couple of players, but obviously the situation is that we can't do that. So instead of getting, for example, Saul in for four or five years, I'd ra- I'd actually rather Van Dijk stay for right. that same period of time. Allison the same. Chelsea, City, United, they can all do that. Evidently, we can't. So on paper, this team plus Thiago and Jota got 99 points two seasons ago. Uh, so you know, I'd still rather the big guns stay than get someone in who is only going to possibly here for four years. Like, but by the end of Van Dyke's contract, he would have been here for what seven, eight years. Allison, pretty much the same. So you know, it it's big players spending a lot of their career at Liverpool, which you know is beneficial for the club. It's beneficial for the fans because real life isn't FIFA, and players just don't drop off. After the age of 31, no, but like, Virgil van Dijk likely will be what he is now, minus a little bit of pace when he's 34. Like he's still going to be a good defender at 34, and if not up there of the best, still, I, I, I think personally. I think, I think you know, knock on wood, there's no like serious injuries he's he experiences between then and now. I can't see why not. Um, I think, I think for me, it's like it's great that we're signing, uh, signing people down on contracts. It's 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 not necessarily worrying, but when when you think about uh, last summer was probably the best transfer window we'd had since Alison Van Dyke, which says a lot because it wasn't. I mean, Jota and Thiago, great signings, obviously, but like I I just I always get nervous when it comes to us and transfers because we're not we're not the type of team to go all right unless it was Van Dyke and Alison, which they're the exception to it. His sixty mil, his seventy mil, or not that price necessarily equals quality, but to go drop down on a ready-made player, it's rare that we do that. Um, we always seem to buy a player that's that's improving and got a lot of potential and is clearly quality and then take them to the next level. Like even you go back as far as since FSG has come in, you know, it's, it, like even Suarez, you know, we got him at 23 mil and then he became the Louis Suarez. Um, you can go through pretty much all our signings. We we haven't signed many ready-made world-class players. They came in really good and then became world-class. And the reason that worries me is because I look around and at the moment, more there's 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 a there's an increase in clubs buying ready-made players. So yes, you know what I mean. So for example, Chelsea City. It used to just be City during this FSG period. I'm on about. It was City and United that were doing it. Chelsea would try, sorry, uh, sorry, City and Chelsea that were actually doing it in terms of buying the quality. And then United were buying, but they were always buying incorrectly. But the, where there's been a change is the reason Chelsea are now more threatening is because as they do every couple of years, they stumble upon a very good manager just in time as the right players are clicking. And then they add one or two with a couple hundred mil there. And then boom, there you go, which happens, which has been what Chelsea have been since Bramwich would come in been constantly throwing money at a wall, throwing shit to the sticks, and then, oh, it's stuck, we've won a couple of things, let's go, let's do that again. But the thing now, the threat is that with United, they've spent well 
<laughs> Which, mm-hmm. yeah. I know they spend money, but they've spent well. You know what I mean? Varane and Sancho around the squad they already have. And then Man City, which they brought Grealish in and already have this abundance of quality around that. And I don't know, it just it just makes me nervous a little bit, just in terms of looking at title challenges, which is where we are now. We're not top four. We, we are title challenges. We have to go for that every year. And it's just the way we go around transfers always just makes me slightly nervous for the season ahead. I think we automatically pin ourselves as underdogs when it comes to it. Yeah, but I think that that suits me down to a T, though, because I haven't seen anyone on Twitter, any uh, pundits say Liverpool are, are going to win it, which is absolutely fine by me, because, you know, we we work best as underdogs anyway, because we have been underdogs for the best part of 25, 30 years. And yep. when, when people write us off, that's usually when uh, Liverpool, you know, come up trumps. Uh, right, we'll move on from all the transfers, though, because it, it can literally go on for hours. It could, uh, yeah. And I, I must apologise if you can hear the barking dog. That is not my dog. It's not on TV. I can't hear it. Don't it's worry, I can't really hear annoying. it. That's not uh, good. You're okay. Oh, sad. Uh, so, yeah, Saturday uh, in front of a full Anfield, Liverpool. Um, I say wrestled barely to a 2 0 win, but I think that was the way around. Um, before we get into the actual game, obviously, Sean Dyche. Sean Dyche's Burnley side uh, are fine. They're fine. For, for a Premier League side, they're fine. Although right. I'd love them to get relegated so we don't have to ever play them again. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm in the not minority. I quite enjoy Daishi. I quite enjoy him. See, I love him so much. I call him Daishi. But like, no, I, I enjoy, I enjoy what Burnley are as a team. Like they are. You're talking about underdogs. Burnley every single season are the team that everyone goes from the usual that have stayed up. Yeah, Burnley might get relegated, but they always stay up. They've got championship quality throughout the team for the most part. But Premier League performances, I kind of rate it. Now, I know Klopp, I think it's what we might be going on to. Klopp talked about the physicality. I wonder what your thoughts are on it. But for me, other than two tackles, one which was a WWE challenge and one which was like very, very dangerous to play on Harvey Elliott, I didn't mind it. I quite like the physical side of the game, right? I th- Actually, I don't mind the physical side of it, but when you take the piss of it, that's when I draw the line. Like there's, yeah, there's, four, there's, four, there's four challenges for me that stick out. Mm. The one on Harvey Elliott is a joke of a tackle. Yeah, agreed. In, in the 90th minute of the game where you're 2-0 no down, no, that, no. you don't need to do that. No. The one on Joel Matip on, from Ashley Barnes, when the ball's in the air and Barnes has made it look like he's fallen, but ends up two-footing Joel Matip so he can't jump to the ball. Again, dangerous for no reason. Yeah. And, and two which just genuinely pissed me off is the one Goodmanson on Jota, which he, he just throws him to the ground. I was like, I that, is, that, one. See, that you- is a booking. It was a booking, but I thought that was hilarious. Like, because for me, Jota like was living rent free in a lot of their heads. Some of the tackles that were going in on Jota were absolutely hilarious because he kept skipping past them. Now they were hilarious because he avoided them, obviously. But it's I don't know. I I quite like the physicality of the game, but obviously, yeah, Burnley took the piss. I think they need the middle ground. I mean, for the most part, I've loved what I've seen this season. Rest have been playing advantage, letting things go on, and letting there be a bit more bite in the game, which I think is what we need. But I agree that, you know, Burnley do take the piss a bit with it. And there should be some fines when it does go a bit too far. Yeah, and I, I won't hear otherwise. That coming together with Jota and Jack Cork in the box is like... It, it's not like Jack Cork is running like in a straight line. Nah. He's running at him. <laughs> He's running at him. So it's like, granted, the ball's nowhere near him. But does that mean I can spark someone at the upside of the pitch and just say, no, nah, the ball's nowhere near me? Look... I agree, but just, I don't know, I'm quite enjoying seeing this in football at the moment, so I kind of watch that again. I'm a Liverpool fan, obviously, through and through. I've seen that, I did go, penalty, maybe, question mark, what's going on? But then watch the back, I was kind of just like, right, they're both okay, it's not been given, we are winning. That was quite funny. <laughs> I just I find a lot of entertainment in it, because I think Burnley lost their heads. Like, I think that's why a lot of these tackles went in. They lost, they just completely fucking lost their heads. And it showed in their display in the last stages of the game when they were making all... Because pretty much all of this happened in the last 20 minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, it's like... There was a tackle on the edge of the Burnley box. I can't remember who it was by. I think it was on Harvey Elliott. But it was, you know, it was a crunch attack and he won the ball and the referee didn't give a foul. And I'm all... I'm sound with that. Because last balls. season... Last season, it would have been a foul. 100%. Yeah. Tackles like that are fine. Charlie Taylor's one in the last minute is the one I have the real problem with. Because if, if Elliot doesn't move his foot, yeah. he probably gets his ankle snapped. 
Yeah. So obviously, thank God it didn't because he actually played really well. Uh, did Harvey Elliott, um, especially with without. I know Jordan Henderson, you know, does does well in the six, but he's not a proper six. Obviously, Fabinho's there. You got more protection. Yeah. Now, is is that? Do do you think that's a precedent for for games coming up this season? That you know, with, with teams at Anfield who are going to sit back, the lower in the table, will Harvey Elliott now start these games because he did himself low like so many favors on on Saturday the way he played. I think he did himself a lot of favours. I do think the reason he started, though, was more down to the fitness of Thiago and the issue with Fabinho rather than it be... I don't think he would have started if Fabinho hadn't had to dip out. I don't think he would have started. I think originally it would have been Fabinho in for Elliot and then Henderson pushed into that position because um, I, I do think that was a relatively last-minute decision. Um, because we are we're not necessarily thin there, but like because Milner was missing out, Ox was gone. There weren't many people to actually fill that role, so I think that might have been why he got the opportunity. He did not to discredit him, because I do think he played really, really well. Um, he played a couple of good passes. Obviously, played that ball to Salah for the goal, which I thought was excellent vision. Um, obviously, golden stand, but it's still a great pass all the same. I don't think he's going to... I think if, let's say, we have a deep-lying team, he'll be on the... I think he'll be on the bench pretty much all season anyway. But um, I I think you're more likely to see us start with Ox and Naby in those games rather than Naby uh, and Elliot. Because I think Elliot this season, you're going to see him start every cup game. I think he may even start a Champions League game or two in the group stage. Um, I don't see him starting many Prem games unless there's an injury issue. See, I, I really hope that's not the case, really, because... Got to remember he's 18, though. Yeah, I know, he's I, know, like I, know I get that. Can't, can't it's, rush it. He can't rush it, but he didn't look out of place, was my thing. Like, mm. he, he looked like it was just another name on the team sheet. It's, like, it's similar to Curtis Jones. Um, like, it, mm. there was a time where he was like, oh, he, he's on the bench again, is he? Oh, he must be doing all right. And he started a few games, and then you just don't take any notice to it. Like you go for the team and it's normal. It's like it's no shock that he's there. My my counter argument to that, using Curtis Jones as the example, right? So Curtis Jones is about twenty years old right now, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason, people, some people, not everyone, look at Curtis Jones and are like, well, he's not good enough. But it's like he's twenty. Like, well, not every not every player matures as fastly as like a Mason Greenwood, where they can then eighteen, nineteen, and they're probably going to score 10, 15 goals in the Prem this season, right? Yeah. Very few young players mature like that. Like you are met Curtis Jones Jones for me will probably mature in the same way Henderson does if given the opportunity, in the sense that he's gonna have a tough couple of years where he's not exactly phenomenal. He's probably gonna be look look average to people watch that watching football that aren't a part of the team. And then he will continue to grow and develop. And then in mid twenties, late twenties is where you'll really see him come to fruition. Some people can hit it the ground running like Sterling, where he's a part of a front three at the age of 18, 19. For me, Harvey Elliott is an in-between where he's got so much potential and such a high ceiling. But if you rush him in, you could have a Jordan Ives situation or even a Curtis Jones situation where so much pressure is placed on him because fans suddenly are like, well, he can start week in, week out, but why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing this? Oh, and he has a couple of bad games and suddenly it's just like, oh, he's shit, he's shit. The negative effect that that has on a young player when they, because he will see that, you know what I mean? You look at Nico Williams, for example, right? They see that and they will digest that and that will really affect them. So for me, it's about protecting him in the right way, playing him in the right games. There are certain games that won't be the right games where there will be deep lying blocks. Where, like, I've used West Ham as an example. West Ham will probably come to, uh, uh, come to Anfield, sit very deep and try and spring us on the counter. I would not play Curtis Jones in that game. Sorry, Curtis Jones. I wouldn't play Harvey Elliott in that game because that is a game where a couple of bad passes or anything like that, you know, not that the fans would turn on him in the stadium, but if he doesn't put in a good performance there, let's say he didn't play great in a cup game midweek, suddenly you'll have people on Twitter, not necessarily Liverpool fans, but you'll have people on Twitter slandering him, absolutely slandering him, not taking into consideration he's 18. He still has so much maturity to go because you see it with Curtis Jones at 19, 20. Again, absolutely slandered if he has an average performance. Like, he is 19, 20 years of age playing at the very top level of football. You know what I mean? Does that make sense, what I've said? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's just whether the club and Klopp see him as someone who can 
you know, being around the first team straight away at the age of 18, which evidently, you know, he's made two appearances now in the Premier League out of two games. Uh, obviously, subs uh, came on against Norwich. So, obviously, the faith is there. It's just whether, as you say, he can deliver. And what I really like about Harvey Elliott is his maturity for his age. I, I don't know uh, whether you've seen his, his interview with his old coach, uh, which was put out yeah. on BT Sport the other day. Yeah, yeah, really like, good. He, he speaks like, like he's 28 years of age. Like, he's always, I know it's a terrible cliche, but I'm always looking to improve. I'm always looking to do this, that, that, so I can be a better player. But you can see he means it, which is the yeah. thing. A lot, a lot of players can say that and, you know, say it just to, you know, appease the fans. He, he looks driven and he looks like he he wants to he wants to be the best version of him, which I think is helped by the fact he's at Liverpool. Obviously, boy, your yeah. club, etc. You want to do better for you, for your club. It's like the Grealish, Grealish with Villa. So hopefully he does progress this season. I think this season is going to be a really, you know, maybe the season where he actually breaks breaks uh, certainly into the squad, maybe into the first team. Obviously, we, we don't know if injuries. It could come yeah. to the point where, again, he is needed. Uh, i tell well, you what. Sorry to cut you off. I, see, yeah, I know on. one time if our squad doesn't... If we have no more additions, which I don't think we will, one time you're going to see Harvey Elliott start a lot more will be when the African Cup of Nations goes. So when Mane, yes. Salah and Naby go, your front three then becomes, as long as everyone's fit, it's Jota Firmino, Harvey Elliott, or Jota Firmino and Ox. And then Elliot in the midfield three, which is probably what I reckon will happen. Which um, is absolutely fine, considering the last time Mane went to the Afcon, literally the season fell apart in the mid-season. Yep. Yep. It, it just absolutely capitulated in, in 2017. We should only have two cup, uh, sorry, two prem games and maybe a cup game, so we should be all right as long as we're vigilant about uh, in in the league. Those two, uh, up to that point shouldn't feel too pressured for those two games. Um, not to say that, you know, obviously take it easy, but like we sh- it shouldn't feel too much pressure on those two games. It could just be two games that flash by quite quickly. And uh, as you say, Elliot can play in the Premier League. He's, he's shown that he's got that quality about him. And we have the squad depth to do that. I'd feel more comfortable if we signed a winger before the end of the window or a, or a, or a forward of sorts. Because when African combinations comes around, your front three being Jota, Firmino and Elliot, not that it's not a good front three, it's still absolutely fine, I think. Yeah, it's not much pace in that three. Mm. Yeah, I see that to be fair, but obviously we we, we crossed that bridge when it comes when we to, get to it. Yeah, yeah. We it you, you mentioned for me, no one dropped today. Diogo Jota is now Liverpool's starting striker. I, I I don't think there's any, you know, I don't think there's any no. doubt about that. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, he's he's earned that spot, I think, hasn't he? He's, um, his uh, ability in front of goal is. Out of, out of he's got the most natural like sort of first time finish fox in the box kind of um ability out of the out of a lot of them um I definitely think that's is a good sign because he's pretty only twenty five and he twenty four twenty five oh, there you go even better so um uh, to be honest I think Firmino coming off the bench he just looks great off the bench Firmino I don't know what it is like he comes off the bench and they just he's he's a per he's the perfect burst of energy in the final thirty minutes that you need. Um, I think he's shown that in both games so far, um, which is great, obviously. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, Jota is your first, first team striker. I'm very happy with because I do think he'll score 15, 20 Prem goals. He could easily do that. Um, what are your thoughts on Jota ahead of Firmino? I mean, I think for a, a long time, Firmino's place in the side has been under threat, especially, it feels weird saying, the year we won the league. Because yeah. you know he went the whole season for, without scoring a home goal in in the league in, until uh, Chelsea, yeah. which you know for which does actually speak to the testament of, of Salah and Mane because they were big time on fire that season. But you can't have your front three and only two of them doing it. You need the three of them, yeah. um, which is why for a long time people have, have called out for another forward, and obviously now we've got it. I mean, Jota's movement for the goal is, you know, it's it's world class. Obviously, the ball from Simicast is just as good, but the ball is made by the movements in, in the box. And as you say, he's he's got instincts that maybe, especially Mane, maybe doesn't have Salah might, considering he finds himself in the box a lot of the time. He loves that little peel off to the middle of, middle of the area. But yeah, yeah, even Jota's all round game on Saturday was 
was spot on. His all round games improved very quickly, I think. Yeah, big time. Like it was a few performances last season. Obviously, he he started off like a house on fire. Mm. You think hmm, could do this better, could press better, could do this. Pa- yeah, uh, yeah, pa- yeah, yeah, passing was the big thing. A lot yeah. of people said the passing was a bit off, but now it's it's perfect, especially on Saturday. His pressing was superb. The way he got under Ashley Barnes's skin in 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 the penalty box was was unbelievably fantastic. But that's that's one thing Jota adds. Sorry to cut you off. One thing Jota adds that I think Firmino doesn't do is he's a shit house. He's a Jota, shit house. Jota, yeah. Jota shit. Like people aren't clocking onto it just too much yet, but they will. He's just as much of a shit house as Robbo is because you see him in the box. He's constantly doing little niggles right on the side. You know, he's tapping them on the side and he's getting in the rear a little bit. And he's going down. And when he's going down, he's. he's not that he's dramatic, but you know he's Portuguese. He's uh, making sure he goes down. He's is, making sure thing. he goes down, and like he's he's just a pain in the ass to get the ball off as well. Firmino's a little bit too nice at times. I think, like he, you know what I mean. He's got a smile on his face every time he plays, which I do love. But um, a, shit, a bit of a shit house and a forward can get you a long way because he can wind up the defenders. Yeah, well, speaking of Simicas, I thought he was superb. I thought I think he's actually man of, man of the match on Saturday. Agreed. Um, for a fella who was literally. Literally, I say out in the cold. It's so be so beyond the cold. It's like in Siberia, like to <laughs> to come in and do what he's done uh, the last couple of games is a real. It's a testament to him and his uh, mentality because he's now shown he can do it for Liverpool, which mm. creates a really interesting situation with with Robbo because he is now forced to debate. I personally think of who starts on Saturday. Because he's now proven he can deliver both performance and balls into the box, which is obviously you know massive in in the style yeah. we play. I agree. I agree. I think really if, it it depends. It depends where Robbo's at fitness wise. Because I think if if Robbo's one hundred percent fit, he will play. Like there, as much as I, we can debate all we want, if Robbo's one hundred percent fit, he, he's going to start. I do think though, because of his performances, Simakas, it opens up the dialogue of in the Champions League in the cup games. Start Simakas, rest Robbo. Or if you have a tough Champions League game, we can now feel comfortable starting Simakas, rest it, and resting Robbo. I, it's nice to have that because I don't think we have that with Trent. I think Trent, unfortunately, unless you want to play Joe Gomez there uh, or put Milner there to cover, we can't really rest Trent. Whereas you know, you know, whoever comes in that position, it's going to be clear. It's going to clearly affect how we play. Whereas with Simakas now, you know, when we don't have Robbo and we have Simakas, it works. Where the style of play still works, it still clicks the same way. I think Simakas, arguably, from what I've seen so far by comparison, he's he's not far off, far off being on par with Robbo in terms of his crosses into the box. Like he has got a very good cross on him, um, and a good corner on him too. Like yes, you know I mean? good point. His delivery is is top draw, and he he's got a bit of bite about him too. Like the way he wriggled out like four tackles, um right near the end was just absolutely outstanding and it reminded me of Robbo's pressing against City where it's just like the crowd at Anfield are just absolutely right behind you and everything you're doing there mate and it's, it's great to see as well because he, he had a he had a tough settling in period of a year where he, he barely played football I mean, it was like six minutes of Premier League football he played so to start the season like that is a really good sign for him and I, I hope I hope we see him a lot this season I do um, obviously, hopefully, see Robbo more, you know, just because I don't want the guy getting injured. No. But, um, I hope I hope we see a good couple of cup runs in the FA Cup and League Cup. I hope he plays a lot, a large part in the Champions League as well, uh, at least in the group stage. So, yeah, credit to him. Yeah, the the thing with in the last minute wriggling out of like four different challenges, that the confidence that response will give him is like something I can't even begin to explain. Like, imagine he he done that last season with no crowd, there's no response. But he does that in front of what forty nine thousand Liverpool fans. I mean, I, I I was off my seat. I was I was fist bumping like like anything. It was just it was one of them moments he needed to be at the ground to really like feel and like be involved yeah. with. If if you get me, it's like I, I do, say yeah. it it does it does remind me of Robbo's press. And now say Simicast goes on to do what maybe Robbo's done for Liverpool in the next few years. The video of that will always be brought back as yeah. the moment. The fans properly got behind him, and um, yeah, I, I I made up for him because even he we say it, we say it like everyone, he really comes across as a nice fella. And I, I feel like well for <laughs> Liverpool. Wait till we find the Liverpool player. We're like, well, he comes across a bit of a dick, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, another fellow who, who played really well considering the circumstance and physicality with it. Obviously, Virgil Van Dijk. 
Now, we, we, we mentioned last week we missed him offensively this uh, last season and the second goal proved it. Um, the goal literally comes from him pinging one of them gorgeous 60-yard passes out to Elliot into Trent who dinks it around the corner and obviously Manny blasts it. But Virgil van Dijk, it, it's a testament to him. I've said that a lot this podcast, I apologise. But hey, all right. um, to be out for that long and just to slot back in, like literally nothing has happened especially against Burnley and the physical nature of them. I think mm. yeah, it's it's something special, I think. No, I agree. I think I think Van Dijk is he's one of those players where I think I think it's massive. I think people underestimate how much a good preseason can have a player. I think you're seeing that with, with Salah as well. He had a full preseason under his belt where there was a touch and go as to whether he could have gone the Euros and he was he stayed and got a full preseason. Refused to go on any panel shows. He just wanted to be in in training in at the uh, AXA training ground as often as he could be to ensure he was fit. I think you can see that, and I, I, he's still slightly off the pace. But I thought some of the stuff he did defensively was was he makes it look easy, and it was nice having that assurance at the back again. Um, and yeah, his passing range. I mean, even even just like in in moments of play where it looks like there isn't a pass on, and he just all right seventy yards. Into Salah's feet, suddenly it's a it's a three v four or three v three three v two, and it's like oh hold on this is he's just completely he's completely split open the defense with one pass, um, I which I just I really I I, th- I think you don't appreciate it till you don't have it, you know what I mean? You don't mm-hmm. appreciate just how much of an impact he has on the way we play, um, even just certain passes where he'll pick the ball up and instead of playing it to Simakas he plays it straight to Marnie. Um, he'll bypass the midfield, like he'll just run past our midfield, a little drive and run, a little subtle jog that we don't really take into consideration. How you know he's, he's all right? He's just fucking gained 15, 15 yards here, and now we're in their half. You know what I mean? Like he's 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 got a. It's just little subtle things he does in the game which are just absolutely so important to the way we play. So it's it's a massive testament to him, and it's great to have a back playing like that. Yeah, as I say, it's, it's like he's never been away, and just that. I just, I just love him. Everyone loves him. He's, he's just, he's no doubt top at the moment, top five in in the world. I know he's been out for a year, and I'm, I, I literally have no hesitation saying that because he is just, just that good. Oh yeah, it's like, no, doubt, no doubt about that. I mean, the fella next to him probably isn't far off, and yeah, again for for the, because he's not the most built man in the world, is is Joel Matip, but the way he handles, especially Ashley Barnes, because. Well, he, he was uh, on his side a lot. Mm. But, but, you know, it's actually a good preview as to what will probably happen against Chelsea um, with Lukaku. Um, Lukaku. Again, it, I mean, again, it, it's a, a thing of who's going to play. But I think Joel Matip and Van Dijk is now definitely the partnership. I mean, we've had back-to-back clean sheets, so if it isn't broke, don't fix it. I do think Fabinho and Henderson both have to start uh, as well in that midfield because... Lukaku, so Arsenal when they when when they were defend a bit of tactical analysis for you. Uh, <laughs> so when we were when Chelsea were playing Arsenal, um, and they kind of touched on it in Monday Night Football as well. Uh, their Arteta was naive because he he thought if you stop the number tens and you stop Chelsea, but you need to take in consideration the overlapping fullbacks and Lukaku. Um, in the same way, it's very hard to stop us. And you know you stop Salah, then you've got two other strikers. You stop two of them, then you've got an unrunning midfielder and the other winger. Um, and plus the fullbacks, you know, you stop the fullbacks, but then you leave space for the others. And um, it's very, very hard to stop Chelsea as well because you have Marcus Alonso who's suddenly reinvigorated, and Reese James who plays so high up the pitch. It's going to make it very difficult if they if they decide to play that high up the pitch as they did against Arsenal. It's going to make it very difficult for Trent and Robbo as to whether they they stick or twist because we have to push our fullbacks forward. It's how we play. But if you do that, then there's already a 3v2. Um, whereas Lukaku, those two fullbacks, and that's not including Kai Havertz and Mason Mount, who join that as well. So suddenly that's a 4v2. And then if Henderson and Fabinho stay back, you've got a 4v4. Um, obviously, because that's how maths works. But uh, <laughs> but um, it's, it's how we deal with Chelsea will be really, really interesting. Because I think we're not a team that's going to go out there and defend. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to no. go out and attack them. We'll, you know, we'll try and just beat them by putting as many past them as we can, but we have to be very, very aware of Lukaku. 
And it'll be interesting to see who takes Lukaku, whether it'll be Fabinho or whether it'll be Van Dijk. Um, or whether we try and just box him out between between the three and just try and stop any service to him. Um, I, I that, Look, I've, I've, I have no idea how you stop stop Chelsea because like, I think you watch them play and there's a lot of different ways they can get a goal. Kai Havertz is phenomenal. Mason Mount, I still think, is underappreciated by football fans in general. I think he's technically... I, I just think he's ridiculous. Like, if there's one player I could take from Chelsea, it wouldn't be anyone else. It'd be Mason Mount. I, and I know that sounds really bizarre because I, I he didn't even go to the Euros. But he's, I mean, you know what I mean? That didn't play a part. He in the didn't Euros. play. Yeah. yeah. Didn't play a part in the Euros. I mean, um, he's he's just such a very, very gifted player. And he's a player who turns up in a big game as well. Um, I think he's, if it'll be very interesting. I think, if, if think I think, as you say, Lukaku v Van Dijk is going to be kind of how this game's sold, I think. Um, you know what I mean? It's almost like a boxing match, you know. Uh, they're the two heavyweights involved, but there's a lot There's a lot more in this game. Uh, it's whoever, I think whoever gets their fullbacks involved the most going forward wins the game. Um, you know what I mean? If, if they end up pinning us, for the most part, I think we're in a very, very difficult time. But if we can get Robin with Trent space and time on the ball, if they allow us that, then I think they're in very big trouble. So... See how we go. What do you think? Uh, well, I take confidence from the fact that Van Dijk and Matip have pocketed Lukaku before. Um, oh, come on. He's had three years and ripping it. I know. Up. I know. But we've done it before. This is this is the thing. And obviously, Lukaku then to Lukaku now is obviously a very different prospect um, considering what he's done. But at base level, he's still the same player. He still does the same things. I mean, he even released a YouTube tutorial against with Jamie Carragher of how to, of how of how he rolls people and he still rolls people. He, again, you can't stop him. But mm. there, I think there's one person who, who can and it's it's Virgil Van Dyke. I am really That's not like myself, a superhero movie. I, I, I know. I'm really putting myself on the line here, but the as you say, it's it's all gonna be geared towards because Sky love Brandon and it's all gonna be Van Dyke v Lukaku. Yeah. John Master's got a big part to play because in the year Van Dijk signed for Liverpool, Joel Matip done the Kaku in the United game, I think three months before, I think it was in the October, yeah. um, the 0-0. So, Joel Matip knows, Van Dijk knows, it's just whether they can. Because as you say, it's not just Lukaku, it's it's Mount, it's, it's Werner, Ziyech, the all these people, plus the full-backs. And I think yeah. another big thing is Trent defensively. Um yeah, it, this is a really, really big test for him, especially, you know, it's it's a pointless comparison because there is no comparison. But the Trent Reese James type of thing, if Chelsea come out on top on this and the goal comes down Trent's side, he'll get slaughtered for it by you know football fans in general because they believe this narrative. But well, if I, I it's way around, that, yeah. then you know Trent is auto- also automatically better than James, even though he is anyway. But. Um, <laughs> I think those narratives aside, I think one thing that will be very interesting, because you just kind of reminded me there, because you mentioned that United-Liverpool game and all that. One thing Lukaku did, now it was obviously a tactical thing United did, it'll be interesting to see if Chelsea do the same, was instead of putting Lukaku on the two centre-backs, they put Lukaku on Trent. For long balls, they'd pay, play it to the right centre-back. So this in this situation, it'd be Azbilicueta, who's got a phenomenal pass on him. And Lukaku would sit on Trent and flick it onto the on-running midfielders to the left of him. If they do that, then you're in for a very, very interesting game because that is going to be Henderson's side of the midfield. So you think that's going to be Henderson and Trent up against Lukaku? Now, I love both of them dearly. And I think Henderson can defend very well. Lukaku beats those two. Yes. So if that's what they do, if that's... Fucking hell. Not that they Chelsea's tacticians will listen to this, but <laughs> I'm not not taking blame for it. If it does happen. Um I can I can see Chelsea doing that. I think if Lukaku if they put Lukaku on Trent, they are going to be in for a major advantage because you have Lukaku on Trent, and then you think you'd have what on the overload there on the left you'd have Havard Alonso and Alonso, and then it just takes Lukaku drifting off, running into the box. As that is that is very dangerous because that's what United did, and United got two goals off that. If you remember, it was pump uh, pump pump it up. Lukaku flicked it on. Rashford ran onto it. I was going to say was that was that the two one, two one yeah yeah. Where by by he scored the own goal. Yeah, yeah. You, you you do make you make do make a point. I'm not slightly worried, but it's yeah. also very it's <laughs> very much that. important to consider we are still very good. 
I think people are, are discounting Liverpool. As I said before, we are still a very good football team. Yes, we've we've only we, I hate saying this, but we've only played Norwich and Burnley. This is the first real big test, yeah. and it's it's the real big test to see where we are as a side because we've looked really good in the opening two games, granted against named opposition, but can we now put last I hate last year behind us with our team fully back and take, in my opinion, maybe the main rivals for the title. I, I, I'd put my neck out on the line and say yeah, that. But... It is the neck out on the line, shout, jeez. Um, I think, I think uh, if, if I was to draw a comparison with last year, we won our first two games, conceded a fair amount, and Chelsea was our second game, I think. Um, might have been our third game. It was the game Thiago made his debut. Yeah, it would have been third then, I think. Yeah, third game. So pretty much near enough the same. Now, we beat Chelsea in that game. And the way we played was phenomenal. Played them off the park. And everyone was convinced, fucking hell, we, we're going to warp the league this year. And like I was seeing that. And to be fair, mate, I was one of them. I thought, I'll tell you what, everyone looks off the pace and we've just stormed these first three games. Now, if we lose to Chelsea or draw to Chelsea, I'm not going to take that as... Chelsea are better than us. I want to take that as, oh, oh, we're not where we need to be because I've seen what happened last year, which was it's the way you start your season is very important. I completely agree. What Where Chelsea, I think, will be tested won't be in the big games against the big teams because that's when they, that's where big players turn up. It will be in the, okay, you've, you've got Burnley away, mate. All right, good luck. Yeah, the, the West Bonds at home, like last West, season. Exactly, the Newcastles. The, the 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 places where the fans are absolutely insane and the teams don't necessarily they, they defend as a team, they are a unit, they are just this one mass that you have to overcome. And if you're not willing to step up, then there's an issue. That'll be where Chelsea, I think, will falter this year more than anything. Whereas with Liverpool, I think we might although that has been our, our fault of point last year, hundred percent was was those teams. I'm not I'm not too concerned with that as weekend goes. I almost feel like this is a free swing. I know that sounds bizarre, but like the worst case scenario here, we lose, but it's three points away at Stamford Bridge right at the start of the season when everyone around us other than Chelsea has already dropped three points. I think if we go there with the mentality of just fucking going for them, I do think we win. Um, just because I, I, I know I've been building up how good Chelsea are, but I was very much just doing that to point out the other side of it. But I do think, like, if they play three at the back, which I think they will, we get one run through midfield. I, I think that's a very dangerous game against us, as proven yeah. by Leipzig. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Three at the back, high line. That's what Chelsea play. They three at the back, high line, bomb on the full backs. And the wingers, if you want to call them wingers, or, or number ten, three number tens, and they're inverted and they play very narrow and there's so much space and you 2v1 them every time. Don't get me wrong, uh, Kovacic is phenomenal in midfield, but I, I, I do think we have the midfielders just to turn. I don't think they've got any centre-backs, which I look at, which are going to cause, which can pocket one of our three. You know what I mean? Maybe Rudiger, because Rudiger is quite the beast. But other than that, really, I, defensively, I'm not really worried about Chelsea. It's it's offensively where I'm worried um, predominantly. But I, I do think if we just go there and just go at them, it's... The worst case scenario is like it's it's three points dropped, which we we're not going unbeaten this year. So fuck it, just if you're going to drop three points anywhere, drop it away. At I, I, I would like to say it's at home. I would like to say it's at Anfield. Are we at Anfield? Yes. Lad, what the nah? Sorry, Jane, I've <laughs> everything I've said. I've been living under the impression this entire week that we were at Stamford Bridge. Oh, <laughs> mate, what has my life been? I've been like genuinely building this head. Oh. My head is a fucking away game. Fuck's sake, no. It's half, <laughs> half my Anfield. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> scrap half of what I... That last 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, never mind. Yeah, never mind that last 10 minutes. Well, what are your thoughts? Chelsea coming to Anfield with the team we have and the team they have. What are your thoughts? How do you think the game will go? Um, oh, I'm, I'm really trying to separate head, head and heart here. Um, my, my head is saying Liverpool scrape it. Mm. 2-1 I don't see us keeping a clean sheet this this game even though Alison Becker you know has started the season really really well but my heart is saying it's the first big 
first big, big game with a full crowd um, since Atletico Madrid. Half five. It's starting to get dark early now. Under the yeah. lights a little. You know, it's 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 all made for one of the like the atmospheres at Anfield to be special, and we've seen the, we've we've literally seen one of the best teams ever crumble under under the atmosphere. So hopefully, it, it's going to be it's going to be. Um, uh, I, I I don't want to say we, we'll blitz them because I don't think we will, uh, mm. but it, but it, but there's every possibility we will at the same time because we have done in the yeah. past. We blitz City in ten minutes about four years ago. Yeah. It could be one of them games. I think the crowd will definitely turn up, especially as you said. Like, until yeah, Stamford Bridge. Yeah, Stamford Bridge. The crowd will turn up. Stamford Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, Paddy. I, like, <laughs> I fucked it. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, to be fair, a lot of your points still stand. Yeah, a lot of it still is relevant, but it's just the fact. We were, I, want, I want to get your thoughts on what I said before, because City aren't signing Kane. Obviously, this is being recorded on Wednesday the twenty fifth, so there's what. A week left of the transfer. Yeah. City could still go and sign Ronaldo, but at this moment in time, who's who's the main title rival? I think it's still City. I do. I think I, 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 it's easy to say well they haven't got a central striker, right? But they've got. If they start their full strength eleven. Their front three alone probably talking sixteen goals apiece. Like you know, Sterling sixteen. Uh, trying to think of who they play on the left. Uh, Fernan, uh, Fernand Torres, fifteen, sixteen. Jesus, even if if Jesus was the one starting, which he won't be, it'd be Mares. Who again, Mares, twelve to fifteen gold. Jesus, probably twelve to fifteen goals as well. So they've got goals all over the pitch, and that's not even going into Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Grealish, and Gundogan. Um, they they've got players from every position that can get goals, and um, it's it's one of them. For me, City is still just. The the Goliath of the, of the Premier League, um, and from Chelsea down, everyone else is David. Um, Chelsea, don't get me wrong, very threatening side. I think Chelsea will go for the title this year in the same way I think United will go for the title this year. But as I said, the reason I think Chelsea will, will stumble is because they've got a lot of big game players. It's yet to be seen whether they've got the little players, game players. The little yeah. game players in the sense that they'll they'll be able to go every game, not just on the big occasion. No, you, you make a good point. You you, you, you do make a good point. Thank you. <laughs> it's like one every hundred things I say. Um, yeah. Well, what about? Well, do you see United as a title challenger? No. Interesting. I, top I don't. I don't think so. They're certainly top four, but I think the top four will be the same as last season. Um, hopefully, okay. hopefully in a different order. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, I think it literally remains to be seen how Sancho does, because we've seen players like him come to the league. And struggle, uh, especially with the price tag involved. I thought it was 70, 73, I think it was. So they're, they're still without. Obviously, they've got Cavani, who is obviously still brilliant for his age. But if you're looking at strikers under Cavani, Martial mm, isn't all that. Greenwood. Mason Greenwood, yeah, I'll give you. Marcus Rashford usually plays on the wing nowadays, isn't usually a central central player. It just, I think it really just does defend how, how the sign and settling because as much as we all slag him off for being um, not the greatest of defender, Harry Maguire is actually a very decent defender. Yeah, yeah no, he pretty, is like, pretty, yo, by his side, he's actually pretty solid. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty com- like competent defender who does his job well. Obviously, he gets caught out as, as a lot of defenders do. But having Varane next to him who has pace is something he hasn't played with. Like Lindelof, it, you know, it is is not what United need because you the yeah. difference the, the the difference between Liverpool and United centre half is ours are all pretty fast. Mm. There's there's aren't Barvaran. Like right, yeah, 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 yeah. Like they they've never had pace down the middle. They've had relative pace down the side with Van Bissaka and Shaw. Not again, not the quickest. As aren't ours, by the way. But the, I think that will be a massive difference having someone with pace at the back for United. Depends how the partnership goes. And all you know, all the extenuating circumstance, but yeah, I, I think we'll finish above United this season. I think we'll finish above Chelsea this season. I don't know whether we'll finish above City this season. That's the thing. Obviously, it's only two games in, and as proven by last season, everything could go very, very much wrong very quickly for yeah. anyone. 
don't wish injury on anyone, but if it can happen to someone else this season, that would be great. But uh, <laughs> well, that's a funny thing to say. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, hopefully we've, we we don't get hit the way we got hit. I do think United's season isn't necessarily dependent on their forward lines. I do think their forward line, for the most part, is proven they can score goals. Like, yeah, Bruno Fernandes will probably get you 15 goals. You know what I mean? Like, Pogba will probably get you somewhere near 10. And then you got the strikers across. Their, theirs will be midfield and defence. If Varane and Maguire click as a partnership and De Gea stays competent in goal, they 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 could probably become a very, very tough team to beat again. Um, especially with the people at Old, uh, the fans back at Old Trafford. Like, they could really cause a few problems because their away record last year was phenomenal. It was a home form that let them down. So, if they fix a home form up and Varane turns up, that's going to be... It's going to be very difficult to. Uh, they, they. I, I do feel feel like we're going to have quite a high points tally all round this season. I really do. I think it could be a four way title race if I'm honest. Yeah, and I hope. I hope so. Because we've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. There's never been a four way title race in the history of at least the Premier League. I, I'd say I don't know. No, I think you're right. I think I think there hasn't been. I think we've had some three ways, but normally with the three three way title race by the last ten game mark, the third drops away. It's two. Yeah. And it becomes two. It's rare that you have have three go into the last five, six games, which would be incredible if that was, was to happen. Um, yeah, but, but this is going really long. We'll, we'll, we'll just finish up on, on just general, you know, Premier League chat. Um, you spoke, spoke about United's away form. Again, they, I think they actually got pretty lucky at the weekend to not lose the game against Southampton. Um, Stuart Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong, Adam Armstrong, sorry. Um had a really good chance for Southampton to win it. Obviously, there's been a lot of um, talk about should Fernandez have had the free kick in the build-up? No, there's no, a foul. No. Um, but yeah, I think surprise most surprising result of the weekend wasn't really any, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> any, I will say Southampton. I, th- I think Southampton might be a team to watch this year. Not in, t- in terms of like, uh, well, not, like, they're not likely going to finish top ten or anything. But I do think they'll ha- have some surprise uh, results. I do think Adam Armstrong. He won't be at Southampton long. I do think Adam Armstrong's one of those players where he's he might very much surprise a few and pull a Danny Ings in the sense he'll do very well for a season or two and then get a big move. Um, because he's he's got a lot about him, Adam Armstrong. Like in terms of his game, very very well, very very quick. Um, doesn't seem to get injured too much. Links up play very well, and he, he has got a finish off on him, even though he did miss that chance against against United. He's he's someone that if you have got a fantasy team, mate, put him in your fantasy team. He'll he'll get you some points. But speaking of fantasy team, Michael Antonio absolutely saved mine on Monday night. <laughs> uh, I love that kid. I love Michael Antonio. If, he's sick. If, he, if he was six years younger, I'd love him. I'd have loved him at Liverpool because he's exactly what we don't have. Like mm. he, he's just a, he's absolute beast. And obviously, we, we talk about referees having a really good start to the season. What do you make of the red card? The Perez red card. I think it's a. I think because I think it's a Stonewall red card. I think that's not much debate really. I mean, when I watched it in, in real time, I did say to myself, I did like fucking say aloud, I was like, fucking, I'm making a, making a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> like, and you see it back from the other angle and you're like, ooh, that's a, that's a poor one. Perez got no, nothing to say. And to be fair, they were playing with 10 men from the start because I don't think Perez is a Leicester City fan favourite, if I'm honest. He's he's um not 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 been that great for them. Uh, I, I think West Ham might... I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know with West Ham because they're, they're quite quite an entertaining team to watch. And that Antonio fella, mate, you... He might, if he plays the way he's playing at the moment, and they keep linking up the way they are, West Ham could be a could be another European slot for him. Honestly, even if it's the European Super uh, Super League, no, uh, the European, <laughs> right? No, not the Super League. Don't worry. Uh, um, even if it, they finish eighth and get the uh, the Europa League too, you know what I mean? Yeah, the conference. I mean, I think this season for for West Ham it's important that Ben Rama plays well the whole season because he had blips throughout the season where he played well and then went off. But yeah. he started the season really, really well, as has uh, Fornells. They've got a few of these really, really good players that don't get talked about. I think they're, they're, inside, they're in talks of signing um, Thomas Vaklich from... Oh, where did he play? He, he played for the Czechs during the, the Euros. He's a very decent player. They've got like this mad Czech connection, which I really don't understand how, but it's it worked stupendously, stupendously well for them yeah. uh, in the past couple of seasons. So... Uh, there's not much else. Not not else really happened, did it? Really out out of, out of the ordinary. No, not really. I mean, Arsenal, you know, played like Arsenal. Uh, Norwich 
got absolutely got smoked. Yeah. Absolutely smoked. I'm not gonna lie. That watching that Norwich uh, City game brought back memories of. Remember when Balotelli uh, just sort of chested it in from the corner? Yeah. It brought back memories of that. The way they absolutely just wiped the floor of him. I actually think that goal was against Norwich. Um, it was. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. John Ruddy was in goal. Yeah. There you go. John Ruddy was in goal. <laughs> um, so it's bad. It, it it very much felt like that. I said this last uh, in the last part. I think this season's just got. It's just a lot about it. It just makes me very excited. And it just feels like real, like a real Premier League season, which arguably the last one and a half haven't due to COVID. So it's it's nice to feel that again, to be fair. Yeah, but before we move on to the final um, part of the podcast, Bert Leno, early contester, early contender for save of the season, because what a save. What a save. What a save. And listen, he, he's not going to get much this season. So yeah, give him that. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to win much else. I mean, they've bought a replacement for him. Who's objectively worse? He's, I mean, listen, he's gone back to back relegations, Ramsdale. I do think there's a good keeper in Ramsdale, and you can argue he's not had the defence in front of him, but putting the Arsenal <laughs> defence in front of him isn't going to be much of a fix. It's not much of an upgrade. I feel sorry for Ben White because it's like you're bringing in a young centre back to develop, and he's got no leadership around him or anything. You know what I mean? You, you bring a player like him in when you have your Van Dyke already. You know yeah, what I mean? Good point. Yeah. yeah, but he's coming in, and there's no one to guide him because. There's no one there. There's no one there at all. They bought. They just buy so incorrectly. Arsenal. I'm. I'm not going to waste half an hour because I could rant about Arsenal for half an hour because I just there, there's so much potential there that's just never going to get utilised. But is what it is. I want. I want rant about Arsenal. Well, they play tonight. Don't need to play West Brom. I've got uh, a fucking bet on them. <laughs> what, what, what Arsenal to win? Yeah. Everyone. I need basically teams to win, and uh, I think it was Watford. I was waiting on every other team was winning. I was like, fucking hell, Watford, you better bag, and they bagged. And mate, I was I was literally man, I was running around my room. I was so excited, like 150 quid off like a fiver. I was like, oh, nice, beautiful. Nice. Got another bet on tonight. If that comes in, Arsenal, Newcastle, and who's the other prem team to play? Mm, Wolves. No, Wolves played last night because they were in that hacker as well. Oh, fair uh, Yeah, whoever it is, if all three prem teams win again, then then your boys another 120 quid up there. So we just ah, nice. We pray, we pray. Anyway, <laughs> moving away from Paddy Power, Paddy. Yeah, uh, uh, we'll we'll finish on the Champions League draw, uh, which is tomorrow. Uh, obviously, Liverpool do find themselves in it. Right, I'm looking at the pots here. I think mm. worst case scenario, it's Bayern, Porto, and AC Milan. Oh fucking hell, that'd be a tough group, wouldn't it? But I still think Liverpool come to be qualified. So you're, I, I must sound so pessimistic next to you guys, man. I, I, I hear that, and I, I hear an AC Milan team that have played some exceptional football over the last year. I, a Porto, actually, no, could we take Porto to the sword? You get Europa League out of that. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think it'd be tough. I think that'd be a very, very tough group. You, you think you need what? You need nine points minimum. Nine to 12, yeah. I think it's 12 is the thought. So you think three wins out of that. You could be very tough away games, though, other than Porto, which we always absolutely watch. Who's your dream draw? If you're looking at all them pots, Porto has to be in your dream draw because we always smash Porto. Um, Sporting Lisbon, because they're in pot one. Uh, out pot three, you probably go Zenit, even though it's, it's, it's Russia, but you know we should be comfortably beating them. And obviously Malmo. Yeah, is, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, because obviously, take Malmo every day of the week. Jesus, I kind of hope we get PSG. Can we get PSG? No, they're they're in the same pot as us. Bastards. We'll take them in the last sixteen. Then I want Messi at Anfield just so we can fucking make him cry. <laughs> I really do. Oh my days. Respect the best player to ever play the game. Want to want to make him cry again. <laughs> Listen, I, by the way, I'm a, like a Messi fanboy. I like I idolize him as a as a football fan. Love Messi, but the fact that he just hasn't turned up at Anfield yet just it makes me happy no well I think it, it could go both ways again we could get a good group could get a bad group last year's group was alright I think we made probably a lot more hard work of it actually no we didn't because we qualified with, with a game to go yeah we made a hard deal out of it fucking hell I took it to Napoli and I almost conceded in the last second um, obviously Alisson made probably the biggest save his Liverpool career but I think yeah the, the year did we we scored so many goals that year but I swear we like drew three of the group games or am I thinking of something else? No, you know, you're thinking thinking of it because we had an away game. But no, we didn't lose. We we definitely drew. Yeah, we had an away game which we I think every Liverpool fan watched. And was like, what the fuck? Severe. Yeah, and it was just it was 
he's awful. Because <laughs> we were 3 0 up and then yeah. we drew 3 3. Sparta at Moscow, we were winning 1 0, drew 1 1. Yeah. And, that, and like the last minute, just, you know, because I, I remember that game really well because we had about 10 million chances and Coutinho should have scored about 10. And Sturridge yeah. should have scored as well. Coutinho's still at Barca. He's not moved on it yet. He's not moved yet, has he? No, he's still there. Yeah. Still getting paid a lot of money for nothing. They really want to move them on. You know, deadline day coming up. No. No, I'm not going to draw back into that again. Continue alone. No. <laughs> right, we'll, we'll, end, we'll end it on that because. Yeah. No <laughs> score prediction. Come on, buddy. Score prediction 2 1. 2 1. All right. We're at Anfield, which is news to me. So yeah, I'll, my score prediction. I'll, uh, I'll say I'll, I'll say 3 1 Liverpool. So I'll take that. I'll take that absolutely out of the way. I'll take a one nil, as I will for the next thirty-seven game, thirty-six games of the season. Yeah, don't, don't care how we win as long as we win. No, that's the thing. So yeah, that'll end the end this week's podcast. There, if you well somehow made it one hours and five minutes into the podcast, <laughs> I, I, I applaud you uh, precipitously. I can't even say the words. Um, we'll be back next week. Um, hopefully after Liverpool beat Chelsea, I think we're on internationals. So. Yeah, Look, looking forward to our ten-minute podcast next week because yep. there's we've probably not to talk about. So yeah, nice one for joining us this week. See you next Absolute week. Absolute pleasure. See you next Bye. week. Bye.